It's good to see everyone this morning. It's good to have such a beautiful Lord's Day, to be able to come out and to worship God together, spirit and in truth, unmolested, to have our minds hopefully free from all the worldly cares around about us, and to focus at this time on a portion of God's holy and divine word as we study together. I, we are very thankful to our visitors for being here. We appreciate you for coming our way and hope that you'll be treated in the finest of ways. Since most of the ones I see this morning are all members of the church, uh, the lesson is primarily directed to you and myself and, and really more for us than someone who would not be a member of the church, but hopefully even someone that has not obeyed the gospel would still get something from this lesson. We want to talk for a little while this morning, and we'll probably continue for a couple of weeks, on daily habits of godly living. And I really wanted to focus on the daily part. Now, there are a lot of habits that uh, Christians have, should have, good habits, but I really want to focus on some daily habits uh, of godly living. My lesson text is Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through and 12. Where the Bible said, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Now notice what that grace does. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And so we all understand by now that we cannot possibly live sinless or perfect lives although we strive to do so there are things that we leave undone from day to day uh, there's things that we do perhaps that we ought not to do that's not in the will of God and so we we have shortcomings as we live in the flesh we strive to be as much like Jesus as possible but even though we do that John still reminds us in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I would love to be a person that could live without committing one single solitary act of sin, wouldn't you? And But if I could do that, perhaps I would begin to think that God owed me something. The way things are, I know that I'm in debt to him. He is definitely not in debt to me. God does not owe me anything, but I owe him everything because he gave the best of heaven for me, knowing that I was a sinner that needed to be saved. And so he gave his only begotten son to die for me that I could have the hope of eternal life. Titus 1, 2, and the same is true for you. But we may not be able to live perfect or sinless lives it is possible to live godly lives. And we are expected to live godly lives, as we noticed in our text, as Paul wrote Timothy, in, second, in, uh, in Titus, actually wrote Titus, not Timothy, wrote Titus, and in verse 12, remember he said that they were to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That's expected of us as Christians. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter wrote and said, according as his divine power has given unto us 
all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us unto glory and virtue. And so God has given man everything that he needs to equip him to give him the knowledge and understanding that he needs in order to live godly in his presence. That's why in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Paul wrote, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove uh, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so to live a godly life is to really give your life to God and follow the teachings of Jesus Christ faithfully. So when one is living a godly life, there are habits that are daily, that are seen in that person's life. A habit defined by Oxford Dictionary is an acquired behavioral pattern regularly followed until it becomes almost involuntary. The habit of looking both ways before crossing the street would be an example. Just becomes a way of life. It's something you do. It's an automatic uh, because it's a habit. It's also a habit is also a practice, a custom, a pattern, a routine. And so as we know, people have bad habits and they can have good habits. There are many bad habits out there that people have that really are unbecoming of Christians. We need to make sure that we don't have these bad habits in our lives. One that is mentioned in Hebrews 10.25 is forsaking the assembling of the saints. As he said, the manner of some is, or the custom of some, or the habit of some is. Uh, they were habitually forsaken the assembling of the saints. That's a bad habit. You don't want to uh, adopt that habit. Uh, then we know of other habits that people have. Some have bad drinking habits and some are abducted, uh, addicted to drugs. And so they have that bad habit. Uh, smoking and cursing and lying. There's a lot of bad habits that those who are living godly lives do not have in their lives. But then there's the good habits, many good habits. You know, we, when you really think about it, we are really creatures of habit, right? I've got a good friend of mine and I've got two good friends and they're cousins and they both chase rabbits with their dogs just like I do. And one of them is always saying that his cousin is a creature of habit. He says, watch him, Mike. He'll turn the dogs out. He'll go the same way in the woods every single time. He says, he's a creature of habit. He can't help himself. And I think to myself, aren't we all creatures of habit? I'm a creature of habit. If you know me very well, you know I go to certain restaurants. If it's seafood, I go to one. If it's Mexican, I go to another. And if you'll watch, I'll order the same thing every time. Now, some of you are not that bad, and you, have, you like a variety, and that's good. Maybe that's your habit. You like a variety. You like something different. But I'm a creature of habit. I do a lot of things the same way, and to me, the way I do it is the right way, okay? And so we know about habits. There's some of the men here. Richard just did it a little while ago. Brother Wayne does it all the time. If you'll notice, 
when they're leading songs, the man that leads prayer, once he gets through praying and goes to sit down, they always say, thank you for that good prayer. Uh, when I finish preaching and they get up behind me, they say, thank you, thank you, thank you. They're always thanking us for our efforts and using our talents to the glory of God. Though That's good habits that these men have that are very encouraging. And would you'll notice certain things are, that are habitual over and over that are good, good habits. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, after the church had been established, you remember... The Bible says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. They did it habitually. It was something they continued in. It was just a way of life. When it comes to forsaking the assembly, my parents were so strict on us being at every single function of the church that the few times I've been sick and unable to attend, I was lost. I don't know what it's like to be able to assemble and to not assemble because of the way my parents taught me and some of you can say the very same thing and hopefully those of you who have children are teaching your children let that be a habit that you don't know what it's like not to assemble when you're able to assemble it's it's so foreign it's so strange because we have been taught in such a way that's just just the way of life. If the church is gathered together, we want to be there. That's the number one place where we want to be, right? And so good habits is what we are, are talking about today. So today I want us to notice some daily habits of godly living. We'll notice a couple today and then Lord willing next week we'll look at a few more. But one, and, I'm, and as we study this, I want you to think about your own personal lives. Think about today, think about tomorrow, think about the next day. What are the habits that you have? What are the things that you will be doing that you just do on a regular basis? One is those who are living godly lives, they pray daily. It's not something they do every once in a while or when they're in trouble or when they're sick or just whenever they don't have anything better to do. It's a habit. It's a way of life. It's a good habit. It's a good practice. As Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. For those who are living godly lives, they're just praying people. I think about even the Old Testament, so many good examples, but I think about the great man Daniel. He wasn't a perfect man, but he was a man of God. An example of one who had great faith and was, did what God commanded. And in Daniel chapter 6 verse 10 the Bible says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed and he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Well, we know Daniel, at least three times a day, he went to his window and he kneeled down and he prayed to God and he gave him thanks. That was just something that he was going to do. It was a habit in his life. It was a way of life for him. And you know, the people who were trying to trap him because they were envious of him, they said, the only way we're going to be able to get him, it's got to have something to do with his God. And they knew 
that Daniel prayed three times a day at that window. And so that's how they deceived the king or used the king to try to get rid of Daniel. That's how consistent he was in his prayer life. In Psalm 55, verse 16 and 17, notice what David writes. He says, as for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Well, there's three times right there. Evening, morning, noon. David said, I'll pray. In Matthew 26, verse 36 through 44, we have an example of where Jesus prayed three times in one night. Jesus prayed to his father early in the morning, during the day, all throughout the day, at night. The godly prayed several times a day. One of the best things a person can do is the first thing in the morning, start the day off with a prayer. Today, I see a lot of families that don't pray before they eat. Folks, that needs to be a habit. We need to pray when we get up in the mornings. We need to pray before we partake of our food. Give God thanks. Teach your children not to eat and be ungrateful, but be reminded every time they sit down to eat to pray and give thanks to God for that food. And then before you go to bed at night, end the day in a prayer. How many times have you actually fallen asleep while you were praying at night? You start praying. Isn't that, isn't that a wonderful way uh, to end the day in prayer to God? Pray. That's a habit that's in the lives of Christians. It's something that, that they do. Those living godly lives know the privilege of prayer. What a privilege it is for those that are in Christ Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. The writer says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. That's God's throne. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. As Brother McKee just mentioned, we've been praying for his daughter-in-law, Nicole, and his son, Kevin, and the family. You know why? Because he realized the privilege of prayer. That when God's people pray, good things happen. I want you to pray for my daughter and my uh, kind of maybe granddaughter. If not, grandson's fine too. Pray that, that all will go well. They'll be healthy. You see, we're in Christ Jesus and our prayers mean something. And I know you're people of prayer. I know that that's a, that's a good habit that you have in your daily life. You pray, you pray, you pray. In John chapter 15, verse 7 Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Do we believe Jesus? Ask what you will if you're abiding in him. In James 5, 16, James says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know, that says a righteous man, but... When Aletha was sick, and even before she was sick, she would always wanted the children to pray for her. 
because she said that she knew if God heard any prayers, he would hear the prayers of little children. Not to mention how wonderfully they prayed, as she would tell me, of having them in her Bible classes and stuff. And so those living in godly lives have a daily habit of praying. One of the main things that we pray for, I'm sure you do and I, as we've been taught in Matthew 6, 10, that God's will be done. Even above ours, we don't really know what's best for us. We know what we want, what we desire, but God knows what's best. We may not always understand what's best, but we know this, God's will is best for us and others. And so in our prayers, we ought to pray that God's will be done. Every day, pray for your daily food. Jesus taught that in the model prayer in Matthew 6, 11. As he taught that we are to pray the Lord's will, we are also to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Give thanks for it. I don't know what it's like to go without food, but there are people in our world that do. I can't imagine what that would be like. It might would do me good to go without food for a little while and experience that. But we are so blessed. Pray, as Jesus taught in Matthew 6, 13, that you'll have strength in temptations. Temptations come all the time. We need to pray every day that we'll have the strength to be able to endure and to do that which is right. Matthew 6, 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We need to be praying for forgiveness. Matthew 6, 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We need to be forgiving people. But from time to time, as we've already mentioned, we also commit sin, sin against God. There are times that I fear that I sin against God when I don't even really know that I've done it. But just to cover all the bases, in every prayer, I like to pray for God's forgiveness. Because you want to always stand forgiven in His sight. Godly people pray for other godly people. Right? We pray for one another. And we should. And 3 John, verse 2, John wrote the letter to Gaius. And in that letter he said, Behold, I pray that in all things thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. As we mentioned not long ago in a lesson on John 3, that this gives us some idea of what we are to pray for others. Pray for their wealth, pray for their health, pray for the well-being of their souls, which is most important. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 25, Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, he said, brethren, pray for us. Pray for us. We should also pray for our enemies. In Matthew 5, verse 44, Jesus said, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Sometimes people in church persecute you. They despitefully use you. They say evil things about you. What does Jesus say? He says, pray for them. Pray for those outside the church that are ugly to you. We should pray that we'll be able to resist temptation. Matthew 26, verse 41, Jesus said, Watch and pray 
that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Actually, we should pray for everything, shouldn't we? Really? That's kind of what Paul said in Philippians 4, 6, when he said, be careful for nothing. Don't worry. Don't be anxious for anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests. Let your requests be made known unto God. And so that's a habit in the lives of godly people. When you stop praying on a regular basis, on a daily basis, there's a problem somewhere. You need to locate that problem. But number two, another habit that is seen in the lives of those that are living godly lives is they daily trust. They have that daily trust. Every day they trust. The godly do not trust in uncertain riches. That would be a bad habit, wouldn't it? To trust in uncertain riches. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Paul said, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Don't trust in uncertain riches. That's, that would be a bad habit. You know why? Because it's like Solomon said in Proverbs 23, verse 5. He said, Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings, they fly away as an eagle toward heaven. I love that illustration. I use it all the time, but, but you can see it as soon as you get your paycheck. It's like a bird. It sprouts wings and it just, like, where did that money go? Uh, that's the way it is. It comes and it, and it leaves. And many people think they've got it all stored up, all put together. Next thing you know, the stock market drops out or something happens and uh, that money's just gone. Then what do you trust in? Well, those that are living godly lives know not to trust in uncertain riches, but they also know not to trust in man. The best of men will let you down because there are no perfect men today. They may strive and they may be faithful and, and they may always do what you need them to do, but most likely at times they will let you down. There are some things they just simply cannot do for you. We cannot do for one another. Realize that we all have feet of clay. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, Paul wrote and said, But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. There are times in this life when man just cannot help you. He may want to help you. He may do the best he can trying to help you. But you know, there are some situations that we can find ourselves in that are just too large for man to handle. And so we look at our own selves. Even the great prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 54 verse 6, he says, but we are all as, as an unclean thing and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. When compared to God, our righteousness is as dirty rags. 
So how someone that's, whose righteousness is as dirty rags going to be able to help you in certain times of need? We can be helpful, there's no doubt about that, to one another at times. But there are some problems, there are some things that we just cannot handle. In Jeremiah 10, 23, he said, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his own steps. We can go to men and men can tell us their ways to accomplish one thing or another or to, or to fix something or to settle something, but... But that's not really safe. You see, those living godly lives have a daily habit of trusting in God. First and foremost, we may get help from others, but our main trust must always be in God. The one that will never let us down. The one that is righteous. The one that knows all things. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. With all. Everything you have. You can fully, totally, and wholly trust in God. He has never let anyone down. And he will not let us down. And then he says, and lean not unto thine own understanding. That lean not means to not rely on our own understanding. In other words, it's kind of like a person walking with a walking stick and leaning over on that walking stick. It may help a little bit, but it, it's not really that trustworthy. Not like God. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in God. And then in verse 6, he says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Jeremiah said, It's not a man that walketh to direct his own steps. But Solomon said, God will. He will direct your steps. You trust in Him. You lean on Him. He will hold you up when others will not. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, 1 Timothy 4, 10, Paul wrote and he said, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach. Why? Because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. And so Paul said he trusted and they trusted in God, who's the Savior of all men, in Jesus Christ. And I remember the words of Job when his friends kept just hammering him and telling him, Job, the reason why you're suffering so is because you've got sin in your lives and your life and you've been doing all these things wrong. You need to repent and correct and all this because God is punishing you for your wickedness. But I remember Job said in Job 13, 15, he said, though he slay me, talking about God, yet will I trust in him. You see, Job didn't know exactly why everything was happening to him that was happening. And at times, perhaps he thought that it was God doing it to him like his friends were trying to convince him. But really, the devil was the one that was behind it. We see it now because we have the account that is given for us in Scripture but Job didn't know that, but Job's view was this. Even if God slays me, I'm still going to trust in him. If he kills me, I'm going to trust in him. If you can't trust in God, who can you trust in? David said in 2 Samuel 22, verse 2 and 3, And he said, 
The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my rock in whom will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my savior. Thou saveth me from violence. David said, I'm going to trust in God. First John chapter five, verse 14 and 15. John said, and this is the confidence that we have in him. This is the boldness, not not in a bragging way, but we've got assurance. Those that are living godly lives, when they talk to God, they have assurance. They, they have confidence that they can trust in Him to be there for them and to do that which is right. And so John said, and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. That's step number one. It just It's good just to know that when we talk to God, He hears us. John says you can have confidence, you can have boldness, you can have assurance knowing that He's going to hear you. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire. So number one, you know that He hears you. Number two, He's going to bless you with what you need. Confidence. Trust in God. God is able. Man can't always help us. Sometimes things are too difficult for man. Man does not understand uh, everything that's going on. He doesn't have the ability to do everything that needs to be done. But none of that can be said about God. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul said, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abund exceeding abundantly above, notice that, exceeding abundantly above, all that we ask or think, that's God. That's why we want to trust in Him. You know, sometimes in life, there may be many paths put out before us. And we don't know which way to go. We don't know what we need to do. Sometimes life becomes difficult and we're, we're stressed, we're in a strain, things are not going well, and we can panic. And we can make decisions, you know, quickly and not wisely. But you know something for the child of God? We know he's not going to forsake us. And sometimes we just have to sit still and wait on the Lord. He's going to work it out for us. We've got to trust in him. You see, that's why people that are living godly lives that have developed this kind of trust in God, they don't run around in a panic. They don't look like they're scared to death. Because they know that they can trust in God. We go back to the Old Testament as we've been studying all those examples of Abraham and Sarah before Pharaoh and before Abimelech. And Daniel 
you know, in the lion's den, Meshach, Chadrach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Example after example after example of those who love God, live for God, and when things got so difficult that they could not handle them, they turned it over to God. And didn't God provide Noah, the ark? Lot was able to escape. Difficult situations that people of God find themselves in. But when they have learned and developed this trust from day to day, every day we trust in him to take care of us, to provide for us, to bless us, to save us, to do what we need to have done for us. We develop that trust. We know that he's going to do what's right. And when we don't know what to do, sometimes we just have to wait and let God open the doors. You know, God is certainly one that does open doors. We talk, we've been talking about providence, which is a very difficult subject, no doubt. But God providentially opens doors for all of his people. Years ago, when I decided that I would become a full-time gospel preacher, I made a vow to God that if he would open doors, I'd go in them. And from that time to present, I've just been amazed at the doors that God has opened that I've been able to go through that I just never would imagine. The reason I'm here today is because I trusted in God. He opened doors and one door led to another to another. And here I am and here you are. And you know what? God's still opening doors for us. He's blessing us. People get new job opportunities and just good things happen for those that trust in him. And so I encourage all of us to make sure that that's a daily habit. And then we won't worry so much. We won't have so many anxieties when we realize if I stop looking at myself and my weaknesses and look at my God and his promises, I put it in his hands and trust him to do for me and for us what we cannot do for ourselves. You think your heavenly father's gonna let you down? He's not. As long as you're living a godly life, he is never gonna let you down. So the question for you and for myself is, is this, how is your daily prayer life? How's my daily prayer life? Do I pray once a week, twice a week, whenever I'm in trouble or or do I have a habit of praying daily? Where have you put your trust today? Who will you trust in or what will you trust in tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday? And you know something that we all need to be thinking about is there's coming that last and final day for each of us if the Lord tarries and we're going to be facing eternity. And the doctors will have done everything they could do for us. The nurses, everything they could do for us. The pharmacists, everything they could do for us. Everybody, the church, everyone will have done everything that they could have done for us. But yet we're still going into eternity. 
Who are we going to trust when that moment comes? What will that be like? For those who have not learned to make it a habit to trust in God daily, it will be a nightmare. But for those who have trusted in Him throughout their lives, and they have seen God work in their lives, and know that He has never let them down, He has never forsaken them, and He has always provided, those brothers and sisters will look forward to the time when the angels of God will take him or her by the hand and carry them into Abraham's bosom to be with all the redeemed of all ages. No man can do that for you, but God only. So, some habits in the lives of those that are living godly lives. Hopefully, if your prayer life is not what it ought to be, it will become. You'll work on that, because that takes trust in God. When you have the faith and trust in God, your prayer life improves. And if you don't have much of a prayer life, it's probably because you don't really trust and have faith in God. So work in those areas if you need to. Be sure to trust Him daily. If you're here this morning and you haven't obeyed the gospel, we encourage you to do so, so that you can begin living the godly life that we've been talking about and start developing those wonderful habits in your life of praying to God on a regular basis throughout the day and then having that trust in Him, knowing that He loves you, He will provide for you, He will take care of you, and all will be well with your soul. If you're here and you haven't obeyed the gospel, we encourage you to do so by believing that Jesus Christ is Son of God, repenting of all your sins, confessing Him before men, and being baptized for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. And then live the godly life as Paul talked about uh, in our lesson in Titus chapter 2. If you're here and you need to respond, won't you come, ask together, we stand to sing.